is season two, episode five, otherwise the Game Week 4 podcast for the 23-24 season. We just finished up with Game Week 3, and we're here to sort of briefly review that before we head on to the Game Week 4 preview, which is the bulk of this episode. In terms of my team, obviously, got an incredible amount of positive variance this week uh, in life and also just within FPL. Sterling and Gusto, my two less than 5% owned differentials, both getting a super hole within the double digits, and that sent me to you know a fantastic rank to start the season in Game Week 3, uh, just jumped from 1.3 million to 25,000. And, and that was really the state of the Game Week, because I didn't really have anything else going on outside of the, the pure analytics template, I would say, within my team. Yeah, I think you had an incredible Game Week, and you're trying to downplay it, but as you can see on Twitter as well, everyone was highly appreciative of how great it was. And rightly so, you did take a couple of, I would say, not a couple high X-Means risks, but some kind of risks and they did pay off quite handsomely. For me, I also got a green arrow, but as you can see, a much less flattering one. Uh, I, I think went from like 600k to 517k. The only good things for my team were a Watkins assist. He again flattered to receive, just got an assist, could have scored, didn't score. And Fernandes, but Fernandes is I think against the larger field where most of them had probably sold or didn't even consider him because they probably had someone like Madison. So I was just clawing back some points and even then Madison got 10 points this week with just one return whereas Bruno got 12 points with two returns so it's not really a recovery of any sort but I'm not too displeased with the start so hopefully it gets better from here. Yeah absolutely I mean that's a perfect way to sort of segue into the midfield transfers this week because I, I still think it's a huge pressing point for a lot of managers. You talked about Madison which a lot of people transferred in but ultimately a lot of people also brought in the likes of Foden or, or like myself Sterling, I would say, at least within the analytics crowd, that is. Um, and what I would say is the, the pressing point in terms of transfers out are going to be around players like Martinelli, who I, I still think is, is probably worth keeping, if we're being honest. And then two slightly larger issues, which would be Kai Havertz and Richarlison. Richarlison obviously has two good fixtures still to go. Kai Havertz, however, just suffered his sort of worst game from a men's point of view and then also just the Twitter lowlights uh, point of view as well. But in reality, you know, he has been a, a, a sore thumb for even managers like myself in games one and two. And I, I think he still has to be the transfer priority out. Where do you sit on in terms of whether Martinelli still belongs as a transfer out? Just because we have so many good mids now. And, and I do think that there is still a window here in game week four to jump off of someone like Martinelli just because it's a bad fixture on paper. Yeah, I agree with you. There are too many good midfielders right now. And if you have a suboptimally performing midfielder, I'm not saying the midfielder pick itself is suboptimal, but he's not performing up to the standards that you want him to. So this seems like a good point to get off Martinelli onto other picks like Sterling, Madison, Foden, or even Son for that matter. But with Richarlison, if you already have Richarlison, you've already taken the price drop. It makes sense to maybe keep hold of him for another week. Maybe listen to uh, Postico Glue's press conference if he, if he hints at maybe benching Richarlison because his mints were very unexpected. He at least was getting 70 mints every week and it all of a sudden they were reduced. And that doesn't seem to indicate that he might continue to get good mints. So if that's the case, you can just move out of Richarlison into even a 6.5 or a 6 or a 5.5 million midfield midfielder, depending on what other transfers you have planned. But onto the comparison between, let's say, someone like Madison or Foden or Sterling, where do you sit in terms of the priority? Where, whom would you prioritize as maybe the most optimal transfer right now, given the fact that they are quite close together in, in terms of uh, price? Yeah, I think... All these mids really need a mins adjust. Maybe not Madison, to be honest, because his mins on review are pretty solid. 
But for example, last week when I was setting up Master out of Havertz, what I did and, and the reason why I went into starting the first place was I adjusted his minutes up until it was sort of in the low 80s because of the injuries and because it didn't really seem like I, I could envision, let's say, a Chelsea enough that didn't have Sterling playing so many minutes. And you can see that too with the, the bench as well. So I think once you account for these sort of minutes and Foden even himself deserves an adjust because I believe he's sitting at somewhere between... 60 uh, and, and maybe let's say 68 and, and that still feels quite low last week did point out though that there's going to be lineups where you only see four attackers and, and then Kovacic and Rodri so mm. obviously when we look at that I'd argue that Foden and Alvarez would, would have to miss out one of them but you could also argue on the other hand where and, and Lucas has done this with some of his predictions where he sort of sees situations where when City have an easy game you can easily take out one of the more controlling sort of deep midfielders like a Kovacic and maybe just play Foden as well. Then you ha- and then you have effectively five attackers, but Bernardo becomes that sort of utility piece and he can be put somewhere else in the field, which is sort of how I feel like it could still line up for this next fixture. And it's tough. I, I don't think Sterling is the absolute best pick just because if you're going for a Spurs mid, it feels like they're also a very easy transfer out after games four and five. Whereas when you're owning Sterling, it feels like you're at least buying into what is still a really good run, even though the Luton Town fixture is gone. And then in terms of Foden, he's clearly got the best fixture this week. So it's a case of, if you want the absolute best short-term upside, I still think it's Foden, but those minutes are still very variable. And I probably wouldn't want to chance on that. It probably leads me towards Sterling, if I'm being quite honest. Just because he has a bit more permanency, in my opinion, in an FPL team than Madison. Particularly if you're not set on an early wild card. Yeah, absolutely. And... We can also talk about maybe moving off Brighton midfielders now. Uh, Brighton have a really tough run of fixtures for starting game week four. And we have Mitoma and March who are both 6.5 mids. And if we look at the general midfield catalogue this season, there are a lot of midfielders at 6.5 and below. But the two that we've kind of identified that people have maybe cooled off on one of those people have cooled off on because of a lack of returns which is SA and the other one who people might actually bring in despite the fixture against Liverpool which is Diaby so where do you stand on those two uh, do you think people owning Mitoma and March should be switching to these two uh, for game week four and onwards yeah I feel like if you can't push up to someone like Sterling that easily then 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 probably SA is still the, the one I'd like to go for because as, as you mentioned Diaby does have those tough fixtures he's done incredibly well in terms of actualizing some of the outputs from these early good Aston Villa games. Um, and the scary thing with Diaby as well is he has fantastic line data coming from the Bundesliga. So it might be a case where his baselines could still be adjusted upwards. Whereas with SA, he just has everything going towards him where you have the penalties, you've got the set pieces, but maybe there's not too much sort of breathing room with the nice thing though for SA is he does still feel like a safe pick. And, and that's why a lot of managers, in my opinion, still went with him game week one, where you kind of know as he is an asset, you can't expect too much from this Crystal Palace team, but because he is, in effect, a talisman of his underlying stats compared, let's say, his forwards, he's always going to be a safe pick on this week, particularly when he has three relatively good fixtures back-to-back. So I think Diaby is actually going to be someone that you transfer him around that time when we see that swing with Watkins and Salah, right? Like, let's say, game like seven, and those sort of windows, and maybe that's a good time to bring in Diaby, whereas now, for a midfield transfer and you're missed out of some of the better options that we previously mentioned, I would go with Eze. The weird thing is the landscape of FPL seems to be that the 3-5-2 is a lot stronger because I'm struggling with the forwards and we'll talk about that right after this. But 
it, it does feel like all your money in FPL right now should be pulled towards the midfielders because we've already been generously priced in terms of the defenders and we just have some options in terms of cheap defenders. So if possible, I would try and find ways to strengthen your midfield as opposed to maybe seek for, for some potential downgrades. Just to offer a counterpoint to DRB, the only thing that I've seen which puts me off slightly as an X-Means guy is the fact that he just gets subbed at 70 or before. And that is, I think, set in stone because that has happened, I think, every single game week until now. So if anything were to put me off buying DRB later in the season, it would be that. But obviously, if the fixtures are good, I think even with 70 X-Means, his XGI is still pretty good. And so is his EV. So that might not matter as much. And speaking of dicey X-Means, we can move on to the next segment, which is replacements for Joao Pedro. Or Watkins, who also has seen a reduction in minutes. And one of the names that people might be thinking of is also an X-Means risk himself, which is Isaac. And other than Isaac, we are looking at Jackson, who has pretty good X-Means. Or Alvarez, who right now seems to be pretty nailed on, but you never know with Pep. And Yohan Wissa, who again has pretty good X-Means for Brentford. So these uh, forwards are of a variety of prices. So where do you stand on? Do you prefer taking the money out of the striker positions and going for Visa and then upgrading your midfield? Or do you do a like-for-like swap for, let's say, Watkins to Jackson? Yeah, I, I think actually the, the if we just start with the initial sort of question of what to do with Jao Pedro and Watkins, if we start with Jao Pedro, I think there's, there is value to, to be had in terms of upgrading from him because simply he's not good enough as an asset if he's not going to be starting. And at least getting, let's say, 60 minutes over the course, like as an average, right, over the course of, let's say, every three games. So right now we're sort of seeing him becoming benched two out of three, which obviously this is a small sample size, but it's it's still it's still clear from what Roberto De Zerbi has said, sorry, that he doesn't really belong as a starting player. It's sort of like the Darwin Nunes situation where until you, you get to see a good run of games for Jao Pedro again, and particularly with the bad fixtures for Brighton, he's just not a good pick to have in your field team, unless you're just having him as, as bench depth and for some reason you can accommodate for him. But as far as Watkins owners, I think the only reason why Watkins is as well is as exactly as you said to ensure that you have more budget pulled into the midfield, particularly when some slightly more expensive assets are, are better. So let's say if you had a template of Ezina and Bumo, it might make sense to push a little bit of that money back into the midfielder and therefore just go into Jackson. So I, th I think for me, my default answer is always Jackson's the best pick right now because of what you said, the X-Men's are good and everyone else whilst they're starting games they still are being subbed off early. So they sort of have the same issue as Diaby, but they're also quite expensive and uh, as a forward, just earn less points than that as well. So that's sort of my default um, answer. It's Jackson first, but I, I don't know how you see, let's say, Isaac versus Alvarez versus Wisa. Yeah, so funnily enough, I have been considering Isaac as a transfer in for Watkins in game week six, I think. Assuming that in game week five, I can transfer Trippier in in order to triple up on Newcastle. But that hinges on a lot of factors. First of all, Watkins not getting multiple price drops and Isaac not rising in price in the meanwhile. So we'll see when we get to game week six. But for now, even though he has maybe, let's say, 72, 75 X-Mins on average, I would rather have Isaac than triple Newcastle defense because the one thing... I have taken from last season, even though I never tripled up on Newcastle defense, is that I just set a solver setting such that goalkeeper plus defense max is two. And I think I'm just not going down the path of maximizing uh, variability, outcome variability. I would rather prefer losing a sliver of EV and just get maybe, you know, putting my eggs in different baskets with maybe two defenders and one striker, especially for a team like Newcastle who are good on both fronts. It's not as if their attack is dire. Their attack is also doing pretty well. 
So in that sense, I would definitely prefer Isaac because I have Watkins. But if you have Joao Pedro, I would consider Alvarez or even Visa. Alvarez depends on if you have money in the bank. But Visa, especially, if you have Embuemo, I would not recommend him. But again, if you trust the Brentford attack that much, he's not a bad pick for the next couple of weeks. And the EV loss might not be as bad as maybe I think it is. So it it just depends on whom you uh, want to transfer out and whom you want. So. A bunch of good options and they all have their pitfalls, I guess. And it just depends on where you want to go in the next four game weeks, let's say. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, the one concern I have with Isaac and uh, even Alvarez is, you know, with last season as well, with, let's say, Wilson getting some starts consistently. And now Newcastle actually having F in the wing positions, particularly on the left-hand side with, let's say, Gordon and then also Barnes competing for minutes. I do feel like his might be a little bit over on the default when let's say is, is ready to play a game and, and start here and there. So that's the concern I have with Isaac. And with Wisa, as you said, I feel like he's he's the safest where I, I generally think he will start most matches from here on out. And I'm less concerned, for example, like someone like Shade and, and Mbuma will, will sort of play up top. Um and he he's good and he's gonna miss out in the short term. So he does feel like the safest option, but then he he clearly doesn't have the sort of E V that an Alvarez and Isaac presents you. So yeah, because also Alvarez is such a good fixture for this week. If I was a Jalbedro owner, I think I would just lean towards him if I was to give an answer for this week. But if you can kind of hold on and you, you can't have access to Jackson for whatever reason, then I suppose Isaac's already a good option in Game Week 5. So we might have to just reconsider that one next week. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Uh, moving on to the next topic, which is defender replacement. So for all thousands of Botman owners out there who are eagerly waiting for some news, I'm just going to read out this tweet from Craig Hope underscore DM who said that understand early indications are that Sven Botman has avoided serious damage to his ankle after injury suffered on Sunday. More news awaited ahead of weekend, but I'm told it's not as bad as perhaps first feared. Because people were speculating that he's rolled his ankle, he's torn the ligament, all sorts of hypotheses floating on the timeline. And it may well turn out like that, but as of now, it gives me some hope as a Botman owner. And the reason of, for mentioning Botman is there are a lot of defenders that are currently out due to injury or potentially are out due to injury, the likes of Botman, James, Shaw, and someone like Gabriel who is out due to, I don't know, disciplinary issues or tactical issues, whatever it is. So we have potentially identified some replacements, which review also backs in Yudogi, Diash, Vardiol, and Rico Henry. So Fran, where do your priorities lie with these? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think the, the interesting thing, right, is if we just separate them again out. So James and Botman and Shaw, these are ones where they're actually just injuries. And then Gabriel, because I don't really exactly know what's going on with him. And Arteta has said something in the embargo press conference that pretty much means, as you said, that it is disciplinary. You probably will get some information over all these picks based on injury diagnoses. And we have a little bit of a window where if let's say you hold on to a pick like Shaw or, or James or even Botman and they come back by, let's say, game week six, then they actually all have really good value. Whereas with Gabriel, if we don't get any additional information, Arsenal's fixtures aren't really good anyway, so he's definitely, for me, the, the immediate transfer out if I had to pick out of all the defenders. Uh, if we don't get any additional information in terms of his abil- availability, really, for the team going forwards from Arteta. So as going back to the, the picks, I think it's very similar to what we mentioned last week, but the only person that I would actually remove is Gusto, because, yeah, it, it does seem that the news on James is positive. Um, so unlikely, for example, that, that Gusto will continue to feature if James is, let's say, ready by game week six. So I like picking a defender if he's really only going to fill in a, a plug or, or a hole for me for, for one fixture. And the, the, the beauty of, let's say, a, a pick like a Udo, Rico Henry, or even a Gusta would be that they would have covered game four. 
and obviously some previous gamings if you let's say you're a Rico Henry owner. Um, so I think Rico Henry's EV is not not the greatest now because even though he is a good gaming four, I think the one upside from him is that he gets to retain his, his spot in the team. Or apparently, as we've heard, he might be a Manchester United target. So unless the Manchester United deal happens, Rico Henry's nice in that you, you know you have a nail starter in him. And whenever Brentford have a good fixture, as a 4.5 player, he'll just have some value there. Uh, but Gusto, I would exclude already. And then Yudoki, I think, is still the best sort of short-term pick because he covers Game X 4 and 5 well. We just need to get an update from Angie and just make sure that he's not in concussion protocols. Yep. Uh, and then actually, if you have a little bit more money to spend, ultimately it's just that City defenders. Yes, there's so much uncertainty always around City centre-backs that apart from Diash, I'm really not sure on anyone else. Maybe that's just my poor reading of their X-Mins. But with Guardiol, in the short term, at least I can see that he will start the next couple of games. Again, if it's a long-term move until, let's say, wildcard game week 9 or wildcard game week 16, whatever it is, it seems less prudent. But for the short term, I don't see any reason why Guardiol won't play right now. And the other thing is, with Gusto, I am very skeptical about Reece James. He just keeps coming back, keeps getting injured. I think if you already own him, there's no reason to fear James anytime soon. Uh, but if you don't own him, the window for getting him is shortening by the week. So this week, I would think twice before getting him. And also remember that there's an international break after this game week. So if there are players who are on the verge of coming back, they have two weeks to recover. And that might just be the time frame they need to come back. So I would just be very wary of assuming certain players are out if their injuries are not that serious. Yeah, I think a good play make actually is because that international break and maybe also us actually, if you if you let's say have Saliba this week, who is still playing a home game versus United, or you have a Stupignan, who you previously probably wouldn't have wanted to play, you know, if we were forecasting, let's say from game week one, but because we have so many of these issues and, and all of us have one or two issues in our team, whether it's Botman, James, Shaw, or Gabriel, I, I do actually like the idea of maybe just saving the defender replacement issue with just having someone coming in gaming five and that being a Newcastle defender because presumably we'd get a little bit more information on someone like Botman and we would be able to let's say correctly assess what to do whether we go to someone like Burn, Paul who could be you know an interesting high upside option or whether Botman would just come back in time because if you don't make the transfer this week I actually think that the value of a city defender is sort of lost right so if you don't go for someone like Diaz this week who I think is the most nailed or someone like Ardiol just to capture this fixture as well versus Fulham then actually you're, you're less likely to, to have a city defender in your team going forward. So maybe if you address another issue within your team this week, rolling the issue as part of the defender can just let you make the right decision with the Newcastle defender the next week, which is basically just, you know, going for Trippier or someone else who can cover uh, in that sort of way, like a Fabian Dar. And I think that's sort of the only thing I'd have to say on this topic. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. And it is quite a conundrum, so I don't envy anyone who has to decide between any of these defenders. Moving on to the last segment for this episode, which is captaincy, of course. Once again, even though Holland missed a penalty last week, he still managed to score. He could have gotten a monster all if he had put that penalty away. So he's still, he's yet again clear for game week four on EV. So I'm going to be captaining Holland yet again. I think you have the same plan, but just for the record, maybe you want to say something on who is maybe the closest second option for captaincy. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of our analytics poster boy pick of the start of the season. It's Mbumo, who has a really good fixture here versus Bournemouth. It's a home fixture. So I, I can understand the appeal of captaining Mbumo if you're, for whatever reason, trying to do this. But realistically, I'm, I'm going to be captaining Holland. Uh, I don't even see, for example, a third alternative to, let's say, uh, the Mbumo vice-captaincy or captaincy. And look, it's actually Holland's best fixture 
over this entire run. The goal scoring odds are the absolute highest, even higher than last week, Sheffield United away, because actually away at home is, is such a huge and important thing. And we know Fulham's defense is still rather poor, uh, even with Paulinho back. So yeah, it's it's quite easy and obviously a Hartman captaincy for me. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, hope everyone has a good game week and see you in game week five. Have a good one.